Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Really appreciate all of you joining us. If you haven't done so, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please do so. Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please rate and review the show. And, of course, you can find all of our programming, CannabisRadio.com. I want to just give you a heads up for those that listen to the Blunt Business. What is going on with the social equity program for those that are licensed, looking to be licensed in the state of Illinois? So... There's a couple different variations of how people are being able to go and obtain social equity licenses. One of them is a lottery system. And if you get to hear the story of what that guest is talking about in terms of going through the lottery and going through the partnerships and what, what the state has set up. Now, we can say, obviously, there's a lot of good people that are coming in, getting the opportunity to go ahead and get a license through that route. But we know that there are some other things that are going on that you know could be abusing the privilege of getting a license through the lottery system. Or you could do what our guests are doing here, where they were able to go through, had the business wherewithal, had the capital, had the need, the means necessary to go ahead and obtain a social equity license. And what they did was an interesting uh, aspect where I'm reading from Chicago Tribune from this past June. They converted a former Reichton Park, Illinois grocery store into a growing space for adult-use cannabis and anticipating selling to dispensaries. And, you know, later on, they went ahead and opened a dispensary that was next to the growing operation. And then going forward, we now have what's called Galaxy Labs. And without any further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce specifically the president and board member and CEO and chairman of the board proper, uh, respectively, uh, Michelle and Rick Ringold of Galaxy Labs. Thanks for being on with me. Really appreciate you taking time to join us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, with what happened here, there's a lot of what you, I mean, the, the business backgrounds for both of you are expansive. There's so much that's going to be said about you know, what you've accomplished leading up to being in entrepreneurs in the cannabis space. So, uh, Rick, 20 years experience as an entrepreneur, worked in construction, uh, and, you know, you have an MBA 
you served in the U.S. Army as a sergeant, two terms in, in Desert Storm, and currently a service-disabled U.S. Army veteran, president and CEO of Sergeant Construction Incorporated. Michelle, you're, a C, uh, you're an MBA, a CPA, also, again, 20 years experience as an entrepreneur, working on accounting, tax compliance for construction, manufacturing, government entities, proven track record, $500 million of funding for many of the clients that you've had on in similar industries, and you're very well-versed in the Illinois Cannabis Industry Tax Act, and going through all of this, there's just so much I could go into, but uh, what you what then did decide to do was you created a craft grow. With initially, as we just mentioned from the Chicago Tribune article, there's a lot of components and pieces that are going on to what you've built so far with Galaxy Labs and the way you got the licensing to be able to go and do that. So if you can kind of summarize where the process went for you and what was the initial intent of what you were going to do with this license. Hey, sure. I will uh, take a stab at explaining that. Sure. Uh, so we were uh, part of the initial uh, application process that started in 2019 uh, for craft growers. Uh, we had the intent of uh, forming a cannabis company, but as you are probably aware, uh, the application process uh, from 2019 to 2021 was a very long stretch of time where uh, because of COVID, because of the state figuring out some of the rules and regulations that they wanted to implement, it just took a really long time. Uh, during that time, we we basically uh, had uh, an agreement for a building that was on in Schaumburg on the south, I mean, north side of the city. And uh, because it took so long, we actually lost that lease. The owner decided to sell the property oh. out from under us, which, as you can imagine, it was quite devastating. But uh, luckily for us, we didn't have a lot of money tied up into it. It was sort of a uh, gentleman's agreement. And so when they decided they could no longer wait on the uh, process to uh, come to fruition, uh, they decided they had to sell. So we understood that given the fact that we were uh, in a whole pattern and didn't know really when we were going to be awarded a license and could actually start building out. So fortunately for us, um, a neighbor of ours owned the property in Richton Park and Richton Park. It was really interested in seeing if we could use the space uh, for our business. Well, we didn't we didn't know Richton Park very well at the time, even though uh, geographically they're not far from where we live. Uh, so we uh, went and spoke with the mayor of Richton Park, who was. Uh, about as receptive as anybody could be uh, in government to a cannabis operation coming into your town. So they were very supportive. The entire uh, board of Richmond Park was very supportive su supportive of us, uh, given the space was had been empty for five years. So the grocery store had been vacant for five years. And, and quite frankly, it was a really large demolition and clear-out process uh, compared to a lot of other things to, uh, you know, we consider just building out a building for the craft growing. That was not feasible because of the cost associated. So we decided to retrofit the grocery store. Right. Uh, How many square foot was that grocery store, by the way? Was that for a particular facility? The, the facility is 31,500 square feet. 
yeah. which was a, a fairly decent size <clears throat> building, but compared to some of the craft groves, it's, it's not that it's not that big. It's actually an average size space. No, Rick, I want to ask you because of what's already existing in the that that space already. With grocery stores, obviously they have a, a very intricate and very expensive refrigeration process. Just something where I guess you could do a lot of things with climate control. Were there any things within the grocery store itself in the building that could be utilized in the grow process? Well, we, we thought about that and we actually looked at a lot of it. There were some uh, walk-in freezer components that we thought we would be able to leverage. But at the end of the day, during the design uh, process, we figured out that you know, be, being very cumbersome freezer pro- freezers that were existing uh, were taking up prime real estate for growing. Yeah. So we had to make a decision, uh, save a little money and leverage some of the existing stuff or tear it all out and put in what you de- what we designed to be um, a state-of-the-art high-end facility for indoor agriculture. We went with the latter. We, we decided we couldn't use... Uh, some of the old freezers, and uh, in fact, it's interesting that you asked. That's a very good question. Uh, some of that stuff in the demolition process was really tough to get out of the building. But see, I would imagine that's a great idea because, well, I mean, from a construction company background, both of you have. It's like, can there is there anything that can be repurposed out of what's being done here? Not just the thirty-one thousand square foot, which that was an idea where. I, even for, well, the first thing I was thinking about was like, could you do some of that? Because it would be a good way, you know, if you're going to retrofit, is there anything existing that could be just taken? But again, that space and, you know, reestablishing it, just kind of getting it where, you know, you have it set to go. You set that up again for craft growing and then to get out there. So, you know, one of the things I like to add too is that the space has been sitting for like seven, five to seven years. And our facility is really the state of the art where we implemented artificial intelligence. So, really, a lot of that equipment was dated. But one of the things I would like to talk to the listeners about is lessons learned. And some of the things that we was painfully discovered when we did not know we chose this space. Hands down, when you choose a, a craft room or cultivation center, you need to make sure you do an evaluation on the infrastructure. You need to make sure that you have enough power because if you don't have enough power, now you're dealing with comment. And sometimes there's a year wait on transformers. That is wow. huge. Making sure that the roof is sound, making sure that the structure is found. So sound. So we did have some challenges, and if we would have known these things up front, it would have been helpful. So I just think that if there's folks out there, because there were 80-something licensed, for some reason, some of them went away. There's about 63. It's only a handful of us that's operational. And when I say operational, because in our license, we can have a lab, um, and a lab is a lot cheaper, just to give you an idea our uh, build out just for 5,000 square feet of canopy because the state has a rule where you only get 5,000 square feet of canopy and then you get to uh, increase up to 14,000 in increments of 3,000. Now, I know the state is allowing uh, craft growers, hopefully I think it's finalized, to actually get the entire 14,000 square feet of canopy, 
because that's been a challenge for those that are looking for money because an investor is like, well, you really can't make a whole lot of money with just 5,000 uh, square feet. So that was a big win. But if I had to say anything, if you're choosing the space, make sure that it has the infrastructure needed. And that means your electrical, which could be huge delays, making sure your roof is intact and that you, you know, you have uh, a plan to do an assessment before you go and invest money in something that, you know, may be a problem. Stay tuned. We have more Blunt Business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Michelle and Rick. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ringgold of Galaxy Lab. Now, one of the things I want to make a point of not just this cultivation, not just the dispensary that you're working on as well, but it's the craft grow. And the thing is, that's going, providing, you know, flour to those that are non-MSOs. So other like-minded social equity licensees with their own dispensaries, you're going to be able to provide to them this craft cannabis, which is going to be much different than the small batch than it is going to be the largely manufactured MSOs are going to be in the space. Yeah, we do sell to MSOs, though, so just okay. to be clear. But the difference is, you you hit it right on, is that the most we can have is 14,000 cannabis. 
uh, MSOs can have over a hundred thousand worth right. of capital. So we're focused more on quality and premium. You know, just think of it when you think of beer or you think of fine wine. You have your lower end products, but then you have your higher end. We're really focused on premium. Exactly. But that's the other thing I was trying to make the point of is that you get the opportunity to, as not as an MSO, to work on quality and to working on these batches that are set of a certain quality, set of a certain thing where, and of course, anybody can go and buy from you, but it's the attention to detail and what you're growing within that's really crucial to make the point of. In the process of getting this license, now, as I said, there'll be a blunt business episode that'll be coming up a little bit later on this month in January where people can go and hear about the story of the lottery system. So I'm not going to go into the whole detail of that. We went to that program, but specifically, there were so many different licenses being put out by the Department of Agriculture. And this is initially from the original House bill I saw from the, the Governor Prisker actually signed that would be for 40 some odd cannabis craft grower licenses, 32 infuser licenses, transportation licenses, 141. That's obviously all changed. But the one thing was that they created a lottery system and there would be loan terms in place. You know, they allocated what, five years, $34 million in loans. Except expected to be available in the first year, qualifications that need to be met, but you didn't have to go through all that. What can you tell me about having to be able to go and bypass what some people were using this lottery system and just be able to get a, a license outright and not having to go through all that extra, you know, run around to try to go ahead and earn to, you know, win one, you earned it. Sure. Uh, dur during the application process, when we first started this, uh, we felt like we had a strong application, felt like, uh, as you described, uh, Michelle and I's background would help us. And then the uh, additional fact, and, uh, you know, this has changed now, but the fact that I'm a service-disabled veteran uh, also played a role in strengthening our application in terms of meeting the social equity and veteran intentions of the program. And then we qualified for the social equity piece uh, which, you know, is, is kind of rare to get all of those qualifications, the business background, the service disabled vet, the uh, social equity piece, all in one or two people. It usually takes putting together a slew of five or six people. And then you have to build the uh, actual cannabis industry experience uh, to actually fill out the application or develop a plan, because that's really what the application is. It's just a plan on how you're going to deliver that license, make it profitable and sustainable. And so we had to engage experts to help us uh, figure out a good plan. Uh, and, and I believe we did that. We did that very well. But uh, as Michelle mentioned earlier, when we submitted our application, that was a long way process. But when we did get the news that we were awarded an application, uh, slightly after that, the scoring process for the applications was revealed and we were among the top, um, you know, top tier of applications that were scored uh, above uh, what was expected. So I think we got a perfect score, yeah. uh, which, you know, <laughs> I'm a realistic person. There's nothing perfect. Right. But in terms of meeting the criteria for the application, we were scored perfectly. Yeah. One of the things I would like to add is the lottery was only for the dispensary. So let's be clear. The state has not done a lottery 
for um, craft rolls or infusions. It was okay. just for the dispensary. So that's how we got the dispensary part. And we want to talk a little later. Okay, you got the license. Now, what do you do? Because it takes an awful lot of capital uh, to get a dispenser, uh, uh, craft roll off the ground. Craft roll for 5,000 square feet, depending on the technology and everything, they said the average is something like $5 million. Galaxy spent almost $8.5 million because of the technology and what we were trying to offer. But one thing we realized, too, was that we needed to become vertically integrated in order to get in these doors. So we did not uh, win any lottery for the dispensary, and that was an ordeal all by itself. But what we did do is we had um, the resources and the capital to purchase licenses. What's happening here is the social equity um, entities, and it's unfortunate, they're having a tough time financing the deal. And you have ACE or funding the deal um, and finding financing. And you have the state that has timelines on when this must happen. So with the craft group, I think they gave one more extension. I hate to say it, there's going to be a lot of folks that's not going to be able to pull this off. So there's going to be opportunities to purchase the craft world. Same thing with the dispensary. We found someone that was not um, interested for whatever reason of moving forward, although they had won the license. So we purchased the license outright. Best decision of purchasing a dispensary that we can ever make, considering we are a craft world. It helped us get into doors because you have the big MSOs or even some of the social equity craft rules that also own a dispensary one or two. So if we're going to put our product in our dispensary, you need to put your product in our your dispensary. So the B2B, the business to business was critical for us. So we purchased that license. Michelle, I want to go and pack a lot of what you just read with there because in the business process, and Rick, I want to come back to you in terms of just uh, from the veteran side, because I think there's a lot there in terms of what brought both of you into the space in the first place. I'm going to want to ask about that and, and, and find that out. But initially, the pre-construction permit, you were, you were one of three licensees that were granted for the Craft Grow May of 2022. Then you get to the chance to finally go ahead and do a, 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 an opening in December of last year, 2023, but now you're going to have the actual opening. It was It's going to be in February 2024 for the dispensary, correct? That is correct. Right. The craft world is already operational, been operational since July, and we have our products in stores today. And just to make mention, I'm looking for the story from uh, richandpart.org, making the point that the a facility, $12 million. So, I mean, the money being spent so far, and, and like you were saying just before, to be able to go and withstand an 18-month delay to get to the point of being able to go ahead and have, you know, the craft grow facility, not just not to mention the dispensary or the cultivation and all that coming together, the time you had to wait to get to that and get through all the red tape. The one thing I, I've imagined is, first of all, you had to have the capital. Second, the 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 people that you had brought to you were, I mean, I've learned from uh, you know a lot of people that have been in the social equity process in other states, if they're not, if they're just hoping that the Whatever they're going to be loaned, you know, initially is going to be enough to get them, you know, across the finish line. It's not. It's so they not. have to find other avenues to help sustain and to move forward to continue to grow and any setbacks that come. And you have to be also considering that. But you did all of that. And I would imagine with both of your backgrounds, you had 
enough people to work along with you to help continue to move forward. Yeah, on the craft world side, uh, we own 70%, Rick and I, and then we have 30%, which is family and friends. We didn't get any state or government money, let's just be clear. We wow. did not uh, get that. So, uh, but being in the the market that I'm in as a CPA, and you know, we're it's probably about 35, 40 folks that I employ on the CPA side, that right. does give me access to uh, individuals that are like-minded, that have, you know, some um, access to cash. So we were very fortunate. And there's a couple of good uh, lenders out there in the cannabis space that, you know, some I would say stay away from, but there were some that is that that is very helpful. But you do have to have good credit and things like that. So, you know, we were able to succeed through, number one, having our own capital to put in, having access to family and friends, that was able to, you know, sell a point or two up to 30%. Uh, and then also our experience, right? You know, our experience with, you know, managing money and then Rick's experience with construction. In the story with Rich and, Rich and Bart, they make the point, and you you also say this quote, this venture, quote, about creating jobs and economic opportunities it is our way of giving back to those communities affected the most by the war on drugs and to not simply make a dollar for ourselves. You put so much into this and to bring this here again as a way to give back is commendable. The other part I want to just understand is, you know, among the group that you have together that is comprised of Galaxy, it's minority women and veterans, 82% black, 11% Hispanic, 33% women, 53% veterans. So, Rick, I want to ask you this now. We've always heard a lot right now in terms of for the veterans that come back from wars, obviously you've done several terms. You led 100 soldiers. You know well enough that I don't know how much that you've had any interaction with cannabis or using it as a treatment or fellow soldiers, fellow people that were on the lines with you that have also used. Was that any part of the onus that also brought the idea of going into the cannabis industry and building this particular venture together, you and your wife? A absolutely. That played a big part of it. Uh, so I, I got out of the military in uh, 1992. And some of the folks that I served with, uh, we did a reunion uh, right around 2004, 2005. Uh, when, we, when we exited the military together, there was over 128 of us. Yeah. Uh, when we did the reunion, over half of that group had died. Right. Uh, they they died from depression. They died from alcohol abuse. They died from using opioids. Right. And so one of the things that I like to think and I'm very hopeful about is that the studies on the uh, positive impacts of using cannabis to treat anxiety, to treat uh, PTSD and those types of things, as opposed to using opioids, will come to light. A lot of veterans simply can't function in society if they have to stay on opioids to manage their condition. Cannabis is an alternate. I'm not a doctor. I'm certainly not qualified to recommend any treatment for any, uh, you know, sickness. Oh, of course. But I do know that several of the people that I'm still in contact with that are former veterans, former uh, war veterans that actually have trauma. Uh, they prefer cannabis much more than they prefer opioid. And I think uh, we all live longer if we don't have to take opioids, right? Because there are a lot of side effects 
uh, in addition to the the level that it you know limits you in functioning in society. Uh, you know, going to a job, working heavy equipment, doing any of those. You can't do that if you're taking opioids. But you can do that uh, if you manage cannabis. I'm not saying to go to work or whatever after or during, you know. But in the evenings when you, you know, just getting sleep. Uh, cannabis helps a lot of people sleep. And that also impacts anxiety and depression and other things that they may be going through just by getting more sleep. So it, it definitely played a big role in my decision-making, not only for, you know, everyone else, but for me personally as a service-disabled veteran. Yeah, and, and for me, uh, you know, it's been the impact. I grew up in Roseland, uh, which is a pretty uh, tough community here in Illinois. <laughs> and let me just tell you, the war on drugs was real. And a lot of my friends, you know, serve some time for, you know, being caught with, you know, a little bit of marijuana and or, or cannabis is the correct term. And I just say that also we, and I'm not shy about it, how do we pop, um, apply or qualify as a social equity? We have a son that, you know, has struggled and, you know, it has, you know, he took us through so much as a kid and. Now we were able to use his situation to now take advantage and take advantage of the opportunity of the social equity and now actually give back. We're creating between our crowd world and our dispensary in Richton Park. We're creating about 45 jobs on the craft world side and we're creating 30 jobs on the dispensary side. So in that little community, we're creating 75 jobs. And that's really important to us because those are good paying jobs and uh, we're just happy to be able to do it. One of the other areas we always talk about when it comes to social equity is the legacy operators. So as you said, those that have been convicted, they've been incarcerated unjustly. But the idea is that, you know, while we have certain people that are able to go and come in, you know, that they meet the qualifications for social equity. That's one of the areas I want to make sure that it's, it's for me, I'll see certain states, especially New York, New York state where they've, you know, offer education, they offer certain programs is enough of a course to go ahead and allow the, the pathway for a legacy operator to go ahead and legitimize their business because they were there beforehand. Will they get a chance to go ahead and get a license and be able to go and do business themselves? What do you think about what they've done in Illinois so far? Obviously you're hiring those that, have gone through that kind of plight and you can do that and offer them as employees. But for those legacy operators that want ownership, that want to go and be controlling that environment, what would you say about the part that, I mean, if they also need to go and do their own thing where I'll put it like this, every social equity operator needs to follow the example that you're following here. Cause you have the means, the wherewithal, the, the, the people that you can bring on board and the intent and your mission is exemplary, totally exemplary of, of all the stories I've heard here on the network. I really, you know, not to mention, you know, both of your backgrounds and, and Rick also not to say the fact that, you know, thank you for your service. Never goes long, goes, no, goes far enough and never does. I've known that from enough interviews to say that, you know, we're eternally grateful for what you've done and for what the people you worked around and collectively this business is, is, is great what you've done. But for those that want to follow this path, and if it's the legacy operators, you know, in one case, the illicit market can be brought down significantly, which is, you know, what every state needs to be worried about. 
And second, you know, what do they need to do to get themselves to where you might be? What should they be doing in terms of following the same idea, the same example, you know, finding the right people to work with and be able to go ahead and sustain any setbacks or obstacles to get the license and create their own business? Well, it's, there, there's, in my opinion, there's, there's not exactly a clear roadmap, but there are some foundational pieces that they should probably think about. And I know Michelle is going to add a lot to this, but from my perspective, uh, they, they need to first educate themselves about any information that's available to them about trends in Illinois, because Illinois' market is different from the market in Colorado and California and even Michigan, oh, yeah. right? They need to be for very familiar with the tax act. And then you got to figure out the biggest barrier, the elephant in the road, is the funding for a business like this. If you're uh, anticipating being a craft grower, uh, you, you got to ask yourself some really hard questions about what kind of operation you want to run and what the expectations are in terms of funding it, right? Because um, there's a thing that we laugh about all the time as people in this industry is called the cannabis tax, right? You, you buy a nail at one store and if you're going to use it in your home, it costs you $2. But if you buy that same nail in that same store and they figure out it's going into a craft facility or a cannabis facility, It'll cost you three times as much. So that's the cannabis tax. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It, yeah. It really is real. Some of the people who provide services to us uh, and provide equipment to these kinds of businesses, um, that they, they can charge a premium because there are fewer choices. And if your ambition is to be uh, truly a craft batch uh, operator where your product is slightly above the existing market, then it's going to be slightly more expensive for you. So if you're going to take that path, then you got to be prepared for that. Um, yeah, understanding what the budget is for building out a, a facility like this is really imperative because, you know, construction in general is is risky, uh, but doing a design build for a craft growth facility uh, in a state that's relatively new, so there's not a lot of builders that have that experience that you need that's necessary to produce a quality product. Now, that's the other part I'm going to make mention too. If imagine if you were leasing, like I've seen and some other people talking about a, a cannabis tax will be applied on that because I know about how there's certain landlords that'll just change things up a little bit. You know, just if they feel like they want to do it, they, you know, because of the, the financial aspects of that company, they can kind of screw with them as all as they want. But Michelle, please go ahead. Yeah, I really want to address the question about if I am a, a legacy grower, and I think what I heard you say, and I have a background, I've yes. been it for a while. I think that's the that that's really what. Oh yes. Okay. So, first of all, I think Rick is right. You definitely need to understand the Tax Act and understand what's allowed and what's not. I think the rules are a little stricter under a craft grower cultivator versus a dispensary. But just because you have had um, a, a felony does not necessarily mean that you will be excluded. So I just think that it's really important, particularly on the dispensary side, that you understand what the rules are. If there's an opportunity, depending on what type of felony you have, to get that expunged, 
to talk to someone at the state to see if, you know, this particular felony would be accepted because if you have a felony and you just say, oh, well, I'm never going to be able to own a dispensary. I'm never going to be able to get in this business. That's not exactly true. The way we qualified, something we didn't even know. My husband looked at the regs. He understood it. We certainly didn't qualify as individually or social equity, but because our son met certain criteria, which he had to read through all this red tape, we determined that, hey, we actually qualified for social equity under that program at that particular time. So I can't stress how important it is to really understand the regulations, understand what your barriers are. And just because you had some trouble with the law, does not mean you cannot get into this business. What I use about male legacy operator is those that were selling or distributing prior to being legalized. Yeah. Now, right, yeah. sure, right. But the other part is, is that you know you make a great point. Is that all right? You didn't have to go to the social equity program to get the business out. You could have done without. But why not take advantage of it? Like that's exactly. the, that's the thing you need to look for that. If you have that available, yes, take advantage of it. Absolutely, I agree completely. Yeah, because with that. there's there's programs specifically related banks out there yes. that will waive the fees because the free fees are very different than the fees if you had an accounting firm or a construction firm because it's not legal at the federal level. The bank fees are real. There's programs if you can get the social equity criteria, that's waived. There's lending programs out there. So there's a lot of benefits to being um, social equity. And some of the traditional social equity that came from this area or this, there's other criteria, like I said, with our son that you may not know that you qualify for. Right. My God, this is, this is so great. I stay tuned. We have more Blunt Business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Michelle and Rick Ringel. I love this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply conversation because just there's just so many different aspects that i mean i'm already at 30 minutes and I, I, i'm not kind of unfortunately out of time I, I could go along a lot farther in the in the process and i mean on your own individual backgrounds i've never even scratched the surface honestly but uh, what i wanted to at least do is let's go ahead and talk about galaxy labs and just what you have right on the process so the website initially galaxylabscraft.com galaxylabscraft.com so make sure there's an S right there in the middle. And, you know, right now you're going through and you're creating, you know, again, small batch craft cannabis. Take me through what you're doing right now within the grow and what's being going in the dispensary now. So we uh, just recently uh, chopped our first harvest and packaged and delivered to uh, stores, uh, uh, I think it's three dispensaries that we're in right now. And we have conversations going on with about 60 other stores that we plan to uh, put our product in their store. 
the craft grow. Uh, we have, as Michelle said earlier, we have 5,000 square feet of canopy. Uh, we are a dual tiered grow, meaning that we, uh, we realized that we were going to be challenged with the amount of space necessary to grow the full 14,000 square feet of canopy that the state allows once you're fully expanded out. And the ancillary space is necessary to support uh, the growing process. So we decided to build dual tier and we have three rooms that we currently uh, harvest every 21 days. Each one of those rooms yields about 250 to 275 pounds of craft cannabis. We run six strains for each one of those harvests. And like I said, we harvest that amount every 21 days. Uh, we're really proud of the technology that we have. We uh, use a process called crop steering, where we totally control the environment, the humidity, the temperature, the light, uh, the water, the the uh, fertigation that uh, for the plants, so that we control uh, their life cycle from the time that the seed is grown or a clone is clipped until the time that we chop the uh, plant down and uh, yield the harvest or the cannabis off of that plant. Yeah. So we're really pr proud of our capabilities to do that. Uh, we've hired some really great uh, people. We ourselves still work in the facility ourselves. We uh, actually buck, trim, and, and uh, you know, defoliate plants. So we're touching plants. We're really, you know, we're not hands-off operators. We're in the facility almost every day with our team trying to figure out how to do things right and try to, how, try to figure out how to do things better. Yeah. And I'd like to add, well, what's coming up? What are we doing? I hope I can mention the strands. Works, please. Top of the line strands. You know, to our listeners, we have apple fritter. We have dosi trot. We have garlic cocktail seven. We have G Gary Payton, Jealousy, Motor Breath, 15. But what's important about these strands is that it's premium. A lot of the public uh, with the higher the THC, First, we have very high THCs. We don't put anything in our premium jars that's not more than 22% THC or like less than 22% uh, THC. And quite frankly, we have stuff that goes up above 30. Uh, but it's really about the turp. It's really about the terpenes. It's no different than wine where you can get a very cheap, mad dog, high proof wine, but it's not good quality. Our turps, our turps are... Our, I'm sorry, our terps are at 2% all the way close to 4% of terpenes. So that is very important that I want to tell our listeners. And we're going to actually be in not, at the end of this week, we will be in almost 15 different stores. So please visit us. We're at the Cookies Dispensaries. We're at Feli Dispensary. We're at Parkway Dispensaries. Uh, we are also um, at, I'm just giving you all the dispensaries. We are going to be going into the Windy City dispensaries. So we have a, quite a bit of foot market. We've only launched a week and a half ago. So we really want you guys to support, come out and visit us uh, at our dispensaries. As far as our, uh, our dispensary that is located in Richland Park, our grand opening is February 15th. We're going to have 
SAS buses out there where you can come in uh, onto the parking lot and consume. We're going to have a live DJ, music, free phone. We're going to pop free food. We're going to be giving out um, swag as well as samples. So we're super excited. Fantastic. This is really amazing experience what you have together, what, we, what you've built so far for the community and for the team you have on board. I love it. So that's it. Uh, Mention the, the website for the craft. Now, is there a website already set up for the dispensary itself or, or galaxydispensaries.com? Here we go. Galaxydispensaries.com. That's where you're going to find for the information on that coming soon. But by the time this episode comes out, we'll be much closer to the grand opening. And congratulations to all this. I mean, you made it past the finish line. You're here. And I, I imagine there's there, there must be, I'll ask one more question. Has there been a lot of, have there been a lot of those other licensees that have talked to you or a lot of other people have just reached out to you from other areas asking about how you went ahead and moved forward to find the right people to get this all the way to fruition? So that, that, that's a very good question, right? Because there have been some people that we're uh, talking with, that we have relationships with that are social equity operators as well. And uh, it, we have success in varying degrees, right? Some, some folks are at the, still at the early stages uh, of planning and securing capital. Some, some folks are uh, finishing up their build and, and getting ready to launch their product. Uh, right behind us. And then there's a few that are even ahead of us. And they, they've actually been in the market for a few months and they know uh, how to survive and how to get to the next step. So there, there is a uh, connection amongst some of the uh, social equity uh, operators here in Illinois. Uh, there's a couple of groups that actually uh, host uh, weekly meetings where we talk about the challenges and actually talk about ways to uh, promote legislation that'll help our industry here in Illinois. Uh, and there, there's also the uh, uh, the city colleges, like we're uh, in a partnership with the Olive Harvey College, where we actually uh, aid in mentoring and teaching some of the students that do have a cannabis program where they teach people how to either work in dispensaries or how to cultivate and grow the plant. So we wanted to be a part of that. We're very proud to uh, partner with them. We look for more partnerships uh, like that because one of the things that we want to promote is the actual uh, uh, position that people take when it comes to working in the cannabis industry, right? I, I would assume that it's very much like uh, post-prohibition, right? The the guy that used to have to take the bike road to deliver his product and mm -hmm. maybe take the chance of going to prison for doing what they Right, do. right. And then now prohibition is uh, basically over and it's legal. And uh, some of the people who were uh, outlaws uh, actually now run legitimate businesses and have to find ways to find good people and, and train people on processes and equipment and the market. And that's where we are right now. So right. Uh, very uh, happy about what we've done and the relationships that we've built with both small social equity operators as well as some of the MSOs. I know a lot of times they get a rough, uh, you know, they get, and especially in these conversations, you know, they get beat up because they did have a head start. They do have 200 plus 
square feet of canopy compared to my five or 14, right? And, and there's no social equity owners in that first group of folks right. that got, got the opportunity to participate in the medical cannabis program. But uh, some of them are starting to see the value in helping and partnering uh, smaller craft grows. They certainly uh, take notice and respect quality product. So I think there's opportunities for partnerships to be garnered there as well. Would there be any opportunities if for those that if they know about your extensive construction building background, would they try to tap into you about trying to have them have, tap into your team to go ahead and do construction? Would that still be something you would do still? Or is that now like uh, you've moved on from that? Uh, I think they'd probably build it out their facility because that's their biggest bit, right? The retro oh, yeah. validated facilities. Uh, I don't think I would do it right. because it's a full-time job. It's not something you can do. Oh, no, no doubt. Uh, and so it could take a lot of attention, a lot of time. And uh, like I said, there's not a lot of people in the state that have a ton of experience. If you think about it, uh, when you build a craft grow, the electrical requirements for that facility uh -huh. are similar to that of a nuclear plant. Just keep that in mind. You're building a facility that has <laughs> oh my God. infrastructure and electrical requirements yeah. that lobby alongside with a nuclear plant. So to put that in a neighborhood or yeah, the yeah, especially designed, you know, it's it's a big deal. It's not a part out job. Oh no, no, no. I, I can imagine. Oh, Michelle, you were gonna go make a point? No, I was just gonna say, and just uh, truth be told, is that although Rick um, has a construction firm and I have a CPA firm, right. of course we are using that, but we 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 wanted to stay independent. So we actually hired a general contractor that has the um, experience and have built built these uh, craft grow or cultivation centers around the country. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing with the financial piece. Yes, I have enough understanding. Uh, to uh, make sure things are right. But at the end of the day, I hired experts that understood 280E so I can leverage and make sure we minimize and take advantage of tax savings. So I just wanna you know, put that out there as well. Yeah, it, 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 on the construction side, we definitely hired a contractor to do the physical work. Right. And, and we had to work as, a, it was a design build. So we hired an engineer and an architect and we designed the thing and then we contracted out to a contractor to build it. And then the architect and myself pretty much managed oh, yeah. the contract. Well, you were going to be able to, you, you knew what the blueprint had and you'd be like, oh, oh well, hold on, we're going to do it like this. And right yeah. now I got to ask one more thing in terms of what now this business has created, because you were working in separate, basically in separate uh, businesses in different environments altogether. But now you're together on this product. I mean, when you look at this now, was that also just a, was that something you considered that you thought, oh, we're going to go to work a lot more together? We work together before. We worked together before, and uh, you know it, it has its ups and it has its downs, right? When you work together and you see oh, yeah. each other all day, and then you see each other all afternoon, uh, especially in a business where there's a lot of tension and stress deadlines and you know budgets to keep yeah we we've definitely had our moments we're still together <laughs> <laughs> we really had our moments where we didn't see eye to eye but we managed to work it out yeah uh, we had a little bit of experience working together uh before 
Uh, I used to work in Michelle's CPA firm. Oh, okay. As, as an executive vice president. So I, I know what it's like to work with her. She, she's a uh, very driven person. Oh, and, and uh, so I, I know exactly what to expect. And I don't know what she probably thinks about me. Well, you know what to expect. Hey, we have our we 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 have our strengths, and we understand you have to have clear uh, rules. And you know, you he stays in his lane, I stay in my lane. But let me just say that we couldn't do this without our employees because we were good business people. And you know, I'm a CPA, so I was able to run a successful business. In the military, he was a mechanical engineer. He's able to run a successful construction company. But let's make no mistake. We never grew cannabis or been in this industry on a commercial level. So we invested in bringing on folks that really understood this industry, from bringing on folks that had the degrees in agriculture, that you know were plant scientists, that had a proven track record. Some of them came from large MSOs, and they've seen a lot. What to, what works? What doesn't work? So we really invested in our people, and we couldn't have done it without them. You're right. But part of it is the jobs they get are because you both decided to get out of the sectors you were successful in and say, we're going to do something a little different. And that's yeah. what you did. Yeah. And you've made it here. Now here comes the next phase of like, how is this going to go? And But obviously you have... All the means wherewithal and experience and expertise and wisdom to make this work. And I wish you nothing but the best, both of you, with Thank the Galaxy you. Life. Thank you both for being all with us. It was a wonderful experience. Really appreciate you taking time out. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Really enjoyed talking with you this afternoon. Thank you. Absolutely. So, again, I've been joined here with Rick and Michelle Rygold with Galaxy Labs. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.